In honor of Valentine's Day, the day of love, I felt that a conversation surrounding love and desirability was appropriate. In today's episode, we briefly explore the topical and surprisingly disputed realities of intimacy and affection for people that exist in larger bodies. What are the lived experiences of fat people in the pursuit of love? What are the implications of our views on fatness as it relates to desirability? Are our preferences immutable? How much of our physical preferences are produced by social influence rather than inherent desire? What is very clear when looking at our social climate is that desirability is and always has been a moving target that is at best attainable and advantageous for a very few of us and at worst a justification for those who do not fall within societally recognized ideals to be rejected, publicly humiliated, and deeply stigmatized. These implications will always harm those who are the most marginalized by those perceptions and in this case that would be the largest of fat people and those who have to embrace other heightened levels of discrimination based on race, colorism, gender inequality, disability, homophobia, and socioeconomic status. First and foremost, I think it's really crucial to note that very often when fat people discuss desirability in the politics of social currency, the most common misunderstanding is that these conversations are centered around the attempt to convince those who are not already attracted to fat people to reconsider. This is not the case, and truly, if someone is not attracted to me, the very last thing I would ever want is to try to convince that person to feel otherwise. No one is forcing anyone to be attracted to or in love with fat people. We can talk about the societal influences on desirability without the narrative shifting to fat people want everyone to be attracted to them. No, we really don't. (laughs) And a lot of people who vocalize disdain about fat people seeking love shouldn't be so worried about what fat people are looking for romantically. We don't want to be with you either. Our prejudices have real impact on perceived desirability and yes, what that means in the face of our relationships as fat people. But fat people aren't just categorically denied romance and intimacy. This often reflects itself more broadly as a profound lack of basic decency and respect. Many people are so casually disregarded and mistreated that for a lot of us, it is a learning curve to realize that basic decency isn't always a reflection of romantic interest. It should come as no surprise that these beliefs impact the quality of love and affection that fat people are often willing to accept. These biases lay the foundation for terrible experiences for fat people. By stigmatizing fat attraction, society puts fat people in a position where we must silently sort through predatory or fetishized attraction in seeking meaningful romantic interest. A lot of fat people have to encounter the hurdle of realizing that we have been operating from a place of lack. The feeling that at any moment, intimacy and love could swiftly be taken from us, and we might not find someone else who loves us in spite of our bodies. We must encounter situations where we are kept secret because people are afraid to be seen with us. We are often taught to settle for whatever level of attention or affection we can receive. We are often fetishized and quickly learn that being desired only for the qualities people often associate with our fatness is both just as hurtful and as harmful as society's negative views about fatness. For a very long time, I was unable to put these experiences into words, but I always noticed I was treated differently. And just as our culture around desirability intended, I accepted this treatment as a result of my own doing, my own problem, and that problem being my body. And what I learned was that my perceived lack of desirability, whether solely the result of external influence or by the negative feelings I carried about my fatness, were not an accurate depiction of my inherent value as a human being. Unfortunately, desirability, and more particularly our standards for beauty, affect the way that we are treated. And as a fat person who is on the smaller spectrum of fatness, I recognize I have privilege in that most of my negative experiences around fatness extend only into the social implications, and not often in relation to accessibility, which creates a lot of unjust barriers for people who exist in bodies larger than my own. 
alone. People who declare that fatness is inherently undesirable often claim that their beliefs are grounded in the assumption that their preferences are biological, by some natural drive to procreate and seek out the most suitable mate, which implies that entire masses of people are biological anomalies. Fat and disabled people are framed as a blight, and if represented, an exception to society's rules about what is attractive and what is not. This is not an effort to enforce judgment by seeking out roots in the natural world. And as quoted by Aubrey Gordon in her new book, You Just Need to Lose Weight and 19 Other Myths About Fat People, she states, As though we are naturally driven to filter fat people out of the dating pool as some biological imperative, not a choice to discriminate based on a set of standards that have been indoctrinated. It is the stigma surrounding who could love you that drives out perceived undesirability in the views of fatness. And it is anti-fatness, not fatness itself, which manipulates the perceived desirability of fat bodies. I was six years old when the movie Shallow How came out, featuring Gwyneth Paltrow in a fat suit to portray Rosemary, the love interest of Hal, played by Jack Black, whose superficial views of women are temporarily altered when he is put under a trance in order to see the inner beauty portrayed by the thin version of Rosemary, aka Gwyneth, without a fat suit. Rosemary's thin body is used as a representation of the beauty she has on the inside. The movie is filled with constant mockery of Rosemary's body. It paints a very vivid picture of our cultural perceptions around fat people and specifically the desirability of fat women. And pointedly, the movie shows us that even in the early 2000s, there was recognition that we treat fat people differently. Yet the film itself serves only to reinforce the same anti-fat biases. For decades, fatness has been a source of comedic relief, a relational impasse, a source of both sympathy and publicly vocalized vitriol. This has been the result of reinforced narratives about fat people, including the way we portray fatness and intimacy. In many other works of media, for example, Date Movie, Norbit, The Nutty Professor, the show Friends, How I Met Your Mother, Stephen Keek's Center, Austin Powers, Wally, among so many others, a lot of anti-fat rhetoric has occurred and continues to occur very casually displayed in media. Our perceptions of desirability are influenced by what we are allowed to see. If our perceptions of love and intimacy are only ever portrayed for and by non-fat people, if we portray fat people as the oddity, the joke, the misfortune, then these perceptions will continue to be projected into the real world and thus the way that fat people are treated. In combination with social pressure in my own life and shows like The Biggest Loser, these outside influences allowed me to internalize and adopt harmful beliefs about my own value as I grew up, about my inability to be loved, about the lack of happiness and quality experiences I could hope to attain unless I became thin, and also about the importance of desirability in relationships, specifically when it came to heterosexual men. I found myself constantly comparing my body not only to people who were thinner than me, but also those who were larger than me in order to feel a sense of relief about the state of my own body, reinforcing the same narratives that also harmed me. I was, of course, very wrong about the value we place on other people's bodies based on their size. I still must manage my own internalized anti-fatness, and while this no longer presents itself in comparing my body to the bodies of other people, I still navigate a whole host of feelings about how my fatness might be perceived by others, even as I've learned to love and appreciate my own body. This rings especially true when navigating love and intimacy. A culture deeply saturated with anti-fat, ableist, classist rhetoric has told us that only those socially coded as last resort would be interested in pursuing fat people romantically. If you like someone who is fat, it is perceived as settling. And even in the 2020s, we're still seeing this notion constantly perpetuated. There have been many podcasts over just the past couple of years that have made fat women and their proposed lack of value a highlighted topic of conversation. While both the hosts and guests are non-fat people discussing the perceived lack of value in a person they aren't even speaking directly to. The truth is that fat people are very desirable. Fat people can be and are deeply loved. Many fat people are in beautiful, loving relationships, not in spite of their bodies, but for their entire being. Fat people not only have sex, fat people have wonderful, fulfilling, exploratory sex lives, not with the necessity of leaning into the objectification of our fatness. And I have nothing against those who engage in fetishes. However, it's notable that society has taught us that the attraction to fat people is inherently a fetish. 
For most of my life, both my body and my sensuality did not feel like something I was in control of. My value was reflected only in the prospect of external validation. I hated my body and I felt trapped by the idea that I could never be valued or appreciated. But these were all projections, not of my actual value as a person, but in the reflection of society's beliefs about the stories we tell about fatness, about our worth, about our desirability, about our chances to encounter deep, meaningful love. And though this journey of self-love and self-exploration is never ending, I have learned several things that I will always carry with me. Number one, people will treat you how they feel about you. It is up to you to decide whether those behaviors are up to the standard of love and respect that you deserve. And if it isn't, you are worthy of waiting for what is. Number two, fat people are just as desirable and deserving of romantic love as non-fat people. Three, attraction is subjective. Four, fat intimacy is awesome, and not because of some socially driven narrative about our eagerness to please others, but because we are just hot, sexy, sensual people. Five, some fat people are asexual, and not because they can't find someone who wants to have sex with them, but because they're simply not sexually attracted to other people. Number six, my body is my own, and I am beautiful because I am an individual. There are people who see me for both who I am as a person and the unique qualities that I bring into the world. Seven, no body is more deserving of love and desirability than another, despite the lack of body diversity and equity. Here's a quote from the book The Right to Sex by Amiya Srinivasan, a philosopher and professor of social and political theory at the University of Oxford. Is there no difference between telling people to change their desires and asking ourselves what we want and why we want it and what it is we want to want? Must the transformation of desire be a disciplinary project, willfully altering our desires in line with our politics, or can it be an emancipatory one, setting our desires free from our politics? I expect this conversation will come up again in the future, and as I expand into this topic, I want to provide the opportunity for other fat people to share their personal experiences. And if you're a fat person listening to this, I hope you know just how valuable you really are. Not despite your body, but because you are a human being inherently worthy of respect in your relationships, as well as deep, profound love. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I am so excited about what the future holds for the podcast. I will talk to you later.